This is Local Color, distributed by Your Public Studios, a podcast dedicated to the artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore and the DMV a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today, Simone Phillips. She's a graduate of Virginia Commonwealth University, and through hard work and consistency, Simone's not only transformed Charm City Table from a food blog she started in 2017 to a full-fledged small business, she's also transformed the Baltimore food scene and food blogosphere. Her journey into entrepreneurship has taken her up and down the coast, though she mainly reviews restaurants in Baltimore and the DMV. You may not like science or math, but both disciplines and its applications are all around us. You can use the Fibonacci sequence to convert miles to kilometers and vice versa. In terms of science, the Socratic method is used daily to promote critical thinking. Right now, some poor child is using that method to explain why eating sweets before dinner will benefit all of mankind. Good luck, kid. One scientific concept that is displayed daily is the concept of symbiosis. The commonly accepted definition is, quote, the close and long-term biological interaction between two different biological organisms. In the food industry, there exists a symbiotic relationship between the restaurant and the foodie and food reviewer. My guest Simone Phillips takes her side of the relationship very seriously, and over the years has built a reputation and name for herself and her brand, Charm City Table. At this point in the intro, I'd reveal some additional details that lead into the interview, but Simone had a lot of insight and wisdom about the food blogger game, so we're going to get to it. Simone was born in Baltimore and split her time during childhood between Woodlawn and Reservoir Hill. She graduated high school, then went to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. She graduated from VCU in 2013, and from there is where Simone picks up the story. I wanted to stay in Richmond um, because, like I said, I, I love the city. I liked the community I had built down there. I had a lot of good friends. Um, I wanted to, but the trouble was Richmond, like I said, is a small city. I did not have a car. Um, so finding a job was like finding a needle in a haystack. And as much as I love food, I did not want to work in the food and beverage restaurant industry. Like I'm super clumsy. I just, I just knew it wasn't for me. And I've worked a couple of like food service jobs moving like in the future and, and confirm that I'm really not, that's not my forte. <laughs> I'm just not good at it. Um, so after like searching around, I worked at a call center um, for U-Haul for like a little bit. And like while I was job hunting and I was like, this isn't working. So I decided to move back to Baltimore in, I guess, 2014. Yep, 2014 and ended up working in Harbor East as like a project assistant, I think for um, Connections Academy, it was like an online school and uh, it's under Pearson, um, Pearson Education, like that big European education company. Um, and it was like, it was the most boring job ever with the nicest people. Like it was like lots of spreadsheets, lots of copy and pasting, that sort of thing. Um, but I made a lot of friends. We would go to happy hours around Harbor East. And Harbor East is like a good neighborhood, I feel like, for dining out because you do have Harbor East at the time, you know, it's 2014. It's being kind of built up still. Like a lot of restaurants uh, are there or were there and a lot were to be built. So it was like, oh, let's check out this new restaurant. We had like a little group of people who would go out, you know, after work, usually on Wednesdays and Fridays, 
to try a new place or try a new happy hour. And um, that's kind of, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but that's kind of how I got into dining out. It was like from 2013, you know, not knowing what I was going to do next to find this little entry level office job to like starting, you know, going out to all of these restaurants. I, I started Charm City Table in May of 2017. So I worked there for two years at that initial office job. And I got a job for the same company out in Columbia. But then of course I have a car and all of that. Um, and I didn't get to go out as much. Like it was, it was a job that like finished up kind of late and it was like overtime. Um, so I kind of missed dining out. And I, that probably more than anything that I'm talking about it kind of had me launch Charm City Table to kind of talk about my food experiences, remember those times and to kind of motivate me to start going out again. Cause I really did enjoy it. I just didn't have the time for it, but I did kind of have the time to sit down and create online content for it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it led me eating out to a bunch of restaurants, me having a lot of content, me not wanting to post that all on my personal Instagram and then like journaling and thinking of, you know, names and things like that, looking up to see if there's even a food blogging if food blogging is even a thing in Baltimore, I looked that all up and um, I finally started in May of 2017 using a lot of those pictures. I wouldn't say from 2014 because um, they were like kind of bad, but like 2015, 2016 on, I used a lot of pictures from those years at the beginning of starting my food blog. The uh, impetus for you to, or the inspiration for you to start the food blog was just, you enjoyed going out with friends and trying new restaurants and new experiences, but with your new job, you just didn't have the opportunity to do it the way that you did. Uh, so you took everything that you had created or, or documented so far and just started the blog. That's, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I think that's, that's really it. I never thought about it that way, like, because I always toyed with the idea of creating a food blog eventually even back like when I was act actively going out to those restaurants pretty often um but I just like one day you know one day I'll start something and then I think you know having that time where I was I had to pause and I wasn't going out as much um to actually sit down and create it is is actually what happened you've talked about this uh when starting the blog um back in 2017 and it's 2022 now. Can you talk about the changes in the food blogosphere in these last five years? What was it like for women of color when you first started out compared to compared to now? It was it was definitely different. Um, I hadn't considered, you know, when I went in it, like you said, it was really just a love for eating out, dining. I didn't know the details, you know, I didn't know how the industry was or who it was full of, like. I just, that's just not something I had even considered. Maybe it was naive, but I just hadn't. Um, and at the time, bloggers and media uh, personalities uh, were not always synonymous. Like people didn't show their faces a lot of times on their food blogs or, you know, if there were obviously Baltimore Magazine and, and um, you know, Baltimore, some food critics and things like that. Uh, but I didn't realize that some of the biggest accounts I didn't know who they were. I didn't, I mean, they were both white men and um, the restaurant industry is, is considered to be white male dominated, but I literally hadn't thought of that. And at the time, you know, for like women of color, for black bloggers, 
Um, there were people who were doing a lot of good work. I know there, you know, there was a black woman and she's still around, Arlie of Arlie's Appetite, who was killing it. She had started like a couple of years before me. Um, Lena of Dime Well Be More, she's Armenian. She was out here blogging. Um, I think Chino, the Baltimore foodie, who had started a couple of years or maybe a year or so before me were doing a lot of work in the food space. I think I just, you know, I just didn't see it. All I saw was two, two accounts and they were, um, they didn't show their faces and turns out they were white men, but I didn't know that. Um, but um, at the time, like, I think people like food blogging in Baltimore as a concept was so new that they were, you know, it wasn't really hard to like break into the scene or anything like that. I always tell people I first started getting invites to restaurant openings and things like that 30 days after I started Charm City Table, like 30 days or, you know, 45 days or something like that. After I started, I had well over a thousand followers. So it grew pretty quickly. And again, people didn't know how I was uh, behind my account a lot because I used a logo. A lot of people assumed like that I'd be a white lady or a white man that did happen a lot <laughs> going into it. And then I would show up or, you know, give them my name, Simone Phillips. And it's like, oh, okay. It is, it is at least a woman who's showing up to this place. Um, and then they would tell me, oh, I thought you were a guy or something like that. So I think it had a lot of <laughs> anonymity starting out. Um, and then of course, person to person interactions are different, but, you know, as far as being online and having that online space, it was very much anonymous. Um, now, of course, there are, you know, a lot of people do show their faces. A lot of people do want to know the personalities and the people behind the, the account, which is why I started showing my face a little bit more. I don't always love to, but I have my profile picture and things like that up. I do interviews so people know who I am and things like that. Um, and there are, of course, many more women of color in the space, which I absolutely love. I mean, those events were hard, um, you know, not impossible, but difficult to like walk into the room and, and um, you know, just have to make these connections with people or not have to, but want to make these connections with people. And for me, not knowing where to start, I'm no pro like networker. I'm actually like a huge introvert. Um, so like, you know, trying to carve out your space at the time was challenging. And I don't know if it, it has gotten easier for people, but you do see a lot more representation and, and the bloggers to me, at least to the events that I do frequent, I don't go to all of them. Um, it feels and looks more representative of the way the city looks like there are a lot more black people, people of color in the spaces in general. We'll be right back after a quick break, and when we return, I continue my conversation with foodie and entrepreneur Simone Phillips. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, and before the break, my guest Simone Phillips spoke about diversity in Baltimore's food blogosphere as recent as five years ago. It was tough for women of color to be recognized as actual restaurant reviewers, and as we continue our talk, in 2022, it's tougher still to stand out among the crowded foodie-slash-influencer space. When you were talking about the changes in the food blogosphere and, and what it was like when you were first starting out, you mentioned 
one-on-one or personal interactions you've had with uh, other bloggers and, and, and stuff like that. And of course, you don't have to name names, but especially since that market is fairly saturated now, or I guess the, the, the food blogger is a kind of, you know, legit business path. Uh, are there food blogger rivalries out there in Baltimore and, and, and just the DMV as a whole? And uh, another question is, how do you compete against the seemingly omnipresent influencer? <laughs> uh, well, yes, I will. I don't know if I would call them rivalries per se, but there's definitely an air of competition, like an element of competition as when it comes to like food, food bloggers and like that whole influencer circle. Um, I, I think, you know, like I said, I pay closely attention now. And in general, like I'm a big documentary watcher and I always like see, and I, of course I did sociology. Like I see how people's personal beliefs and um, you know, what they believe about themselves, what they believe about other people, um, how that blends or like how that helps create their online platform and the way they navigate the world and the way they have one-on-one interactions with people and then larger messages sent out like by their platform. So I think that's where a lot of the clashing comes in. There's like a ton of like, just like a little, a ton, I'm being dramatic, but like a a decent amount of like squabbles and like, (laughs) like incidences. And some of them like people clash personality wise and therefore now this person doesn't like their platform or Um, I know a lot of us have um, different ideas of what it means to be a blogger or even support restaurants or even like the why behind supporting restaurants. Like if restaurants do something terrible, we've seen a lot of um, crazy things come out of restaurants, like assault, you know, like racism, whatever. Um, People will fight about that and people will like you know, about people, I mean, bloggers, bloggers will have conversations over dinner about that and, um, you know, get into disagreements with other bloggers, especially, you know, this really terrible thing happens, it's proven that it happens, and this one blogger or a group of bloggers doesn't, they just feel like, okay, if, if they're nice to me, they're nice to me, I'm not experiencing these terrible things, so we, you know, I can continue to go there. I don't know what, you know, why everyone's being so dramatic. So I feel like a lot of disagreements can come from there. And then that causes like the following and the unfollowing and the calling out and things like that, that you can sometimes see happen online. But it really comes from, I think, just like personality clashing and of course, like ideals and and worlds clashing. Um, This thinking about the, the, I talk about this with my husband all the time, like just thinking about that, you know, competing against this world where, you know, everyone's an influencer, everyone can kind of put up a video of their experience. I do struggle with thinking like anybody can post these videos and like be fine. Like, how is this going to be like work maintained or something like that? But I really think it's just that. And and um, we'll talk about it a little later, but just like finding different lanes to continue like this food blogger or like food, you know, person in this food space path outside of, you know, creating videos or posting pictures or, or things like that. I want to get into the technical or like the actual, uh, you know, meat and potatoes to use a food metaphor of 
being a food blogger and how that all works. The first question I have, how do you approach food and restaurant reviews while remaining unbiased? I personally don't feel that I am 100% unbiased if I'm if I'm being honest. I think I have like my set of things that make a restaurant worth visiting to me and a lot of them, you know, it is good food, but it's also how people are treated. Like I am very big on how people are treated that includes you know, service workers, like people who actually work for the restaurant, when people walk into your restaurant, are they being kicked out? Are they being asked to, you know, change something like small? You know, if you go on your web, on on this um, restaurant's website, do they have like some code of conduct or something crazy that already sounds like they're irritated by their customer? It's like that, that will definitely um, turn me away because, you know, I, I live in Baltimore. It is a relatively small city, but there are thousands of restaurants in this area. Like there's just, there's no way I'm going to like, um, I'll also see, this is like a lot to think about because I also, I'm also like very aware of the impact that I have and the impact, like you said, that omnipresent, like all these influencers do have when it comes to sharing these restaurants and sharing these experiences, like, you know, you can really put a restaurant in, you know, make them at least a, a, give them some initial buzz to make quite a bit of money, get quite a bit of notoriety. I, I now, you know, I'm, I have like a decent following on Twitter. I'm collect, connected to a lot of media outlets at this point, especially on Twitter. So I'll see places that I, have posted on Twitter and even like news folks reach out to me for their information and like, you know, and they'll end up, you know, off of a photo and off of a post end up in a major publication or, you know, like something that's kind of a big deal. Um, So I'm very much aware and like I try to be very mindful of that, like how people are treated um, and also how I'm treated. Sometimes you do go to restaurants and like I said, they do expect you to be somebody else. Not the, not now, but especially back then when I wasn't showing my face. And then you get treated very poorly based off of how you look or, you know, what they thought you were and you're not matching up to that. And they give they offer you a bad experience. Or even now I recently had a bad experience at a restaurant. And a lot of them think you're blindly supportive of the industry. So they rely on your silence. Like they rely on you to be quiet about those experiences. So it's just, like I said, it's a lot of factors that kind of play into uh, me approaching a restaurant. That being said, I feel like my biases are how people are treated. That's That's really a big one for me and how I'm treated as a black woman in that space. Free food is like not enough for me to like lie about a restaurant or lie about how the food tastes free. Like even a, a check, like if I got a check from some chain restaurant if I didn't like the mozzarella sticks I'll just tell people like I didn't like the mozzarella sticks money or like a small stipend or free food is just not enough for me to like make something up so it's like I said it's a, it's a lot of factors that play into it but I do try to give my honest opinion um my personal experience at a restaurant And I tell people that's exactly what this is. Like, it is my personal experience. I went here and that's why I disclose that I'm, when I'm invited to places, 
um, because like that can definitely change the experience. You know, they invited a blogger for five years, a, very, a popular food blogger in Baltimore out to a Baltimore restaurant and, you know, rolled out the red carpet. <laughs> so your experience may not necessarily be like that. You know, some places are consistent and some places aren't. So I do try to disclose things like that. Uh, but I don't think you could be in a city working with local people. And I wouldn't want to remain so unbiased that I'm here um, sharing and promoting someone who is, you know, you know, drugged and assaulted people or like, you know, been really, you know, shown a lot of racism in that way. Like, I don't think, you know, why, why would I do something like that? Just for me, like, I just, I don't feel comfortable doing something like that. There was like a scandal, like it was like a trafficking scandal for some restaurants in Canton. Like, I will share that information and say, this is why I don't go when people ask me. Um, but I definitely don't show up to that restaurant to see what the food is like and and potentially promote their restaurant and expose them to larger outlets and whatever, um, because I like the food. Like I, I couldn't do something like that. Now, you don't have to name them outright. So I'll just ask what neighborhood, like the, the restaurant where you had the bad experience, what neighborhood was it in? Uh, that was in Mount Vernon. It was actually mm -hmm. like, it was a restaurant. I won't give the name because like, I'm being nice, but it was like a restaurant that I had promoted for my Black History Month campaign. And I just, I feel like their, their approach to restaurants just isn't, it's not a, um, they did a lot of nightlife uh, prior to doing restaurants. So they're at, like, they create a bit of a nightlife um, exclusive atmosphere. And that didn't necessarily <laughs> need to happen at the time like they have someone at the door like just being really harsh to the to the um the customers who walk in you know we don't have this we don't have that and just kind of having an attitude about it and like um there was like a moment where the person at the door was like raising her voice at me and like other um people about you know dying being a wanting to dine there and eventually uh one of our people had disclosed that we are bloggers, you know, she doesn't know, you know, some people genuinely don't know that we're bloggers, but I just feel like I should never have to like say, hey, I'm a blogger, we're going to expose your restaurant to tons of people to get treated right, because then, you know, uh, now I'm, which we did, you know, we ended up disclosing that we ended up being treated fairly afterwards, but I mean, who can, like, how many people can drop that and say that they're, uh, oh, we're going to spend money here and we're going to promote your restaurant to get treated, right? I don't think you should have to do that. So it was just one of those situations where like the service was really bad. We we're trying to reason with the person. The person didn't, you know, want to be reasoned with until they saw an opportunity where they might get embarrassed online. And then the 180 happened. And then I, um, I'd known uh, the folks who own it for a little bit, like we're cordial, um, I wouldn't say that we're friends and I, I don't think they were very receptive to the, the feedback that I, <laughs> I gave them. So I was just like, uh, and on top of that, to be quite honest, like the food wasn't great. And when I did post, I didn't scream it from the rafters, but I did put in my, like my Instagram stories that I had a bad experience here. And then like people sometimes tell me they have bad experiences at restaurants, but um, it's few and far in between. I just had an influx of people having a, even my own cousin had like a similar experience to me like two weeks prior and I was like okay so this is a pattern with them 
I don't, I no longer feel comfortable like promoting or telling people to go here if they're going to run into these like, you know, incidences where they feel like they're, you know, they're not welcome here. So that's kind of how that one went. Is based off of your experience, it, it just kind of seems like for that specific location, it was like death by a thousand cuts. Cause for yes. me, I can, yeah, I, I, I'll give a restaurant a few chances, especially if they're like a new restaurant or something. But if I have like a bad experience at the door, then at my table, then when you know, I'm in the bathroom, right. and then like as I'm leaving, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, damn, y'all are really like not selling this. And not to mention at, at like you said, death by a thousand cuts, the, the, when I did initially promote them, I had been there twice. The first time was totally fine. Like it was barely anyone in there. Everybody was very attentive. There were a couple of things we didn't enjoy, but like we we sent them back and gave our feedback and it was fine. The second time, the service was also pretty terrible. Like it was it was bad, but um, I was just like, you know, well, the last time I went, it was really good. So maybe they're having an off day. So then by the time we got to this third time, I was like, and then hearing it from all the other people who like, kind of uh, shared their stories in my inbox. I was like, oh, okay, like this, is, this, this sounds like a pattern. And I do, you know, I hope they improve. And I've, I've said this on like another, I think on another podcast or something like that. Like I'm very much open to like trying restaurants again. Like I do not write, I do not have one bad experience and just say, you know, whatever. I will never be back. Like it would have to be like egregious, like really bad for me to do something like that. Um, so even this space, like, while I'm not very, uh, I'm not open to, like, sharing, you know, promoting until, so, like, some visible improvements are made or I start hearing from other people things have gotten better, like, it doesn't mean I'll never, ever be back. Like, I do hope they improve because it is a, you know, it's a nice space, a nice restaurant. I want to see people do well, but I don't believe in setting people up <laughs> in that way, you know, to spend their money or think they're going to have a good time. And then they're met with like hostility and, and bad food and like things like that. As we mentioned before, you started Charm City Table in 2017. It's 2022 now. And then that time you've transformed um, the Instagram blog into like a full-fledged brand. And that brand has taken you up and down the East Coast, obviously Baltimore. Uh, you've been to DC. You've also been up uh, to, to Boston in New England and just hearing you talk about everything, you clearly have a lot of experience and I would say that you have an expert opinion. Um, what in that expert opinion, what are the key components that make up a thriving food scene? Diversity, I would say is like a big deal. Um, and that means like across, you know, if we're talking about a food scene that's across the types of food, um, across price point is a big deal for me. I always see like people boast um, certain restaurant scenes and their fine dining is great, but then you get to, you know, the inexpensive eats and options and there are a few far in between or like chain restaurants. And I don't think um, having, you know, not having a, a space like a fast casual space or whatever, I think that's very important to a thriving food scene. The connection to the local uh, community, local ingredients, local farms, are you working with local people, um, like the quality and sourcing um, at these, at restaurants matters, especially when you do climb like the, the, you know, hierarchy, like the types of food and the types of dining styles. 
I think if you are hosting, you have a, a, a like fire food scene, um, eating local and having local ingredients and hiring um, local people who understand that area uh, is very important. And I think uh, even like the diners, like the people who frequent the restaurants um, and the type of people who come in, you know, is this city or county or area a travel destination? Is it a best kept secret? You know, it might not have everybody coming into it, but they still have a solid, strong, low-key food scene, kind of like Baltimore is or was a couple of years ago. It's a bit of a, a, a secret. You know, people come here and they like, oh my God, I had no idea the food was so good. And like now people are, you know, you kind of see people beginning to travel into the city just for like a day of eating or to experience some of the restaurants here, but that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. Um, you know, is it a place to even, you know, is it a best kept secret, a travel destination? Is it a place to like <laughs> avoid completely? That wouldn't make it a thriving food scene, but you know, the diners, I think the people who are visiting your restaurants are um, just as important, uh, well, not just as, but it's, it's an important factor in what is making up um, your thriving food scene. Uh, but the big ones for me are um, to see like the, um, the diversity and uniqueness across the types of food, um, across the food culture, um, across price point and then quality and sourcing and having those uh, local ingredients and, and incorporating those local people, local farms, that's kind of what makes up a thriving food scene for me. And of course the creativity. Um, I, I love like a new concept I even like like the gimmicky concepts if they're done well, um, but I think creativity is important, even if it's risky, uh, because of that. A it gets people talking, it gets people excited, and it kind of just pushes food food culture forward in general. So I like to see a lot of creativity in a food scene. If you never had to eat one food item again, what is it and why? This is very very random, but it is the answer is turkey kielbasa. My mom, you know, she had four kids and then my cousins would be over a lot. And so, and my neighbors, so sometimes it'd be like 10 kids, 15 kids. And that was like a quick meal for her to like chop up. We also, she didn't eat a lot of red meat. None of us did growing up. I eat tons of red meat now, but um, we ate mostly turkey, like poultry products. No, not a lot of red meat. And we ate turkey kielbasa with like peppers and onions and like rice so much that now I just, I cannot, like I cannot eat it. It's like when you're, uh, when you're in college and like you get sick and throw up off of an alcohol and you're like, oh, I'm never going to Right drink. off of a type of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is uh, fireball. Mine is, is fireball. I cannot do fireball because I, I like had some bad experiences with like cinnamon toast crunch shots and like, I can't touch it now. It's ruined forever. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I, I now know that if I ever needed to uh, torture you with information, I would give you fireball and turkey kielbasa. <laughs> yes, I would run for the hills. <laughs> Be like, this person clearly hates me. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to start wrapping up here. Um, I always ask this question to my guests. What is coming up next for you? Yeah, so like I said earlier, I'm really thinking about, um, you know, transitioning into occupying different spaces other than like 
a social media platform. So I think um, I announced this and you'll see a little bit more work coming. Like in May, I'm working with the new paper coming to town, the Baltimore Banner. And that's like a kind of coming, you know, as, a, as an addition to like, not an addition, but like a competitor of the Baltimore Sun. And there I'm gonna be creating food content. Um, I do a lot of fun, like little reels that uh, on, my, on my Instagram now or like Twitter threads listing out like types of restaurants, you know, whether it be like, I don't know, where to get ramen or like, you know, top places to do whatever. Um, so I'm gonna be doing a little bit of that in writing form for the paper. Um, I'm also gonna be moving into some radio. I haven't announced that yet, but you'll see it's like um, some work with a local radio station um, and just brand expansion in general, maybe it's TV. I don't really want to do the same thing forever. And like, as, like we talked about, the market is a bit saturated. I have fun with it, but I can feel that, you know, I've been doing it for five years. Like the motivation isn't the same. And um, I just like, I feel like the, uh, the fun piece of making Charm City Table, of course, is creating the content, but it was also like an opportunity to be creative and create something that I hadn't done and I hadn't seen a lot of being, you know, I saw a little bit of it, but I hadn't seen a lot of it being done in the city at the time. Um, so just looking into to like more spaces to expand my brand, you know, still Charm City Table, still like a Baltimore food blog, I still talk about food, but like where I do that um, could, you know, look a little bit different. It is starting to look a little bit different in these next coming months and, you know, maybe a couple of years. If you're listening, you know, follow Charm City Table on Instagram and Twitter. And also check out charmcitytable.com where I have a really cool restaurant map where you can find restaurants in your area if you're traveling in town or if you're you know living in a certain neighborhood. Um, the, the map kind of links to, well, kind of, it links to my Instagram and Twitter posts where I talk about them so you can see my thoughts about them and try them out for yourself. Um, so I always like to plug the map because I didn't realize, like I, I, I made it thinking it would be helpful but now I find myself using it a lot when like friends come into town or like I have like business meetings or something like that. Like I'll look around where they're staying and like find a restaurant close by. So it's a pretty cool tool. That was foodie and entrepreneur Simone Phillips. You can check out her food reviews on Instagram at Charm City Table. Her website is charmcitytable.com. There you can also find the Eat Your Way Around Baltimore interactive map. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Local Color. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jason V. The podcast is distributed by Your Public Studios. New episodes of Local Color will be released the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Learn more about Local Color at wypr.org.